I'm going to have our reading now. And I'd like to light this candle at this point because it's a reading that comes at the very heart of the start of John's Gospel, of Jesus coming as light into the darkness. And what greater symbol is there than that candle shining in the darkness? Light in darkness. Thank you, Colin. This morning's reading is from John chapter 1, verses 1 to 9. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Father, we do praise you for Jesus, who comes to where we are, Come to us now, Lord Jesus, by your Spirit. Breathe your love into our hearts. Enable by your Spirit our ears to be opened and our hearts to be ready to receive all that you have as gift for us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you know, I have never preached a sermon on anything to do with mental health. In all the 18 years that I've been here, and that's quite a few sermons, <laughs> neither have I ever heard a sermon on mental health or God in all these sort of things. That is something that needs to change. And it's something that I want to apologize for profoundly. But things are as they have been, but things will not be the same. Because the fact is, as I said earlier, that one in four of us will have a diagnosable mental health condition in any given year. The World Health Organization tells us that. And Christians, of course, are completely excluded from that. We don't have any problems with mental health. We're not part of the normal population. We are all in this together. And in fact, clergy and church leaders um, probably suffer more than many 
with mental health. Anecdotally, I know that's to be true because sometimes I spend time mentoring or reviewing clergy situations and I'm desperate by the stories that I hear because they can share things with me that maybe they wouldn't do with other people because I'm sort of slightly removed from the situation. When I hear their hearts, I am so, so moved. What people are going through is often hidden and there is a real fear of admitting that they feel like that. But things are beginning to change. Lockdown, of course, has made it so much worse for many, many people. The isolation, the sense of being cut off from community, including even family. People in residential care that they can't even go and see when they're sick or even dying. But the positive impact of lockdown, it means that it's opened up. Instead of locking down, there's been an opening up of awareness and an acknowledgement of this reality. The reality that it is part of being human. It is part of living in a fallen world, a world that is imperfect. Like any other illness, we're going to be subject to mental illness. Illness of every kind is a given, whether it's emotional, mental, physical, whatever. It's part of what we are and who we are. We're all prone to everything and anything. And phrases such as, it's okay to be not okay, are beginning to get more and more common in our parlance. And I've been looking at some of the videos that are there online, hearing some of the young people's stories. They've described the significance of the stigma that is felt so often by many people. There was a story of a girl who came back to uni after being away for a year with having had a breakdown, a mental breakdown. And she told how nobody, not even any of her friends, asked her anything about it. Of course, if she'd had a broken leg or had a big physical trauma, that would have been all they'd been talking about. But mental, well, let's move on. And we're seeing in the headlines as well, people like Prince William speaking to footballers who have gone through huge trauma too. People like David Beckham, who uh, you might remember, those of you who are old enough, in the 1998 World Cup, uh, got famously sent off, uh, shown a red card for kicking Argentina's Diego Simone. And it affected the match so much England lost, and Beckham was blamed and ridiculed and scourged in the press. He said, if social media was going around at that time, it would have been a whole different story. How much worse would it have been? Did I feel okay to go to someone and say I needed help? No, I felt I just had to keep it all in and deal with myself. The reaction, he said, at that time was pretty brutal and he suffered terribly as a result. Now, he says, I'm the one preaching to my kids and to other kids that it's really important to talk. We all know now, he said, that it's okay not to be okay. And it's okay to say that and to come out and say, I need help. 
Things are changing. God is at work in breaking down stigma and these barriers. You can go on right through, go back over history. You think of artists like Vincent van Gogh, who was an incredible artist, but just for a short time. He only lived for 37 years. But during that time, he combated his anguish of mental illness with frequent episodes of depression, paralyzing anxiety, and according to some accounts, the symptoms of bipolar disorder. Listen to what he wrote to his friend Leo, his brother Leo, rather. One feels as if one were lying bound hand and foot at the bottom of a dark, deep well, utterly helpless. You felt like that. I sort of felt perhaps not quite like that, but pretty close to it. I remember going on a walk in Westenburg with Sean and uh, just feeling so, I sat under a tree, sat on the ground with tears rolling down my face and just, I don't enjoy anything. Remember that? <laughs> I can't enjoy anything. Felt so, so low. Like Elijah, you know, under that tree. I want to die, Lord, take my life. It's a real, real thing. And you just feel helpless. You can't do anything about it. But the thing is, out of these conditions, sometimes incredible creativity can come. Edvard Munch Wrote, has painted that incredible picture of the cry that sums up so much of how we feel. We've got national leaders like Winston Churchill who spoke of the black dog that he wrestled with all the time. Politicians like Alastair Campbell. Celebrity chefs like Nadia who couldn't even go out of her house because she was so anxious for quite a while. Spiritual giants like Henri Nguyen and Mother Teresa and many hundreds more. Of course, it's much worse for Christians in many ways because of the guilt that we are sometimes not made to feel, but we sometimes just feel because, like last week, I'm not saying this is <laughs> a criticism at all, but when you hear these passages, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, come on, you know, and then you get these verses in Philippians 4, which is so fantastic. Have no anxiety about anything, but in everything put your trust in God. You know, here's your strength and refuge and pray more and all this sort of thing, which are absolutely key teachings in the Bible, but they can sometimes make matters worse. I have felt sometimes in that pit, I'm not sure quite how we can get out of it. And there have been times when I've really needed help. And the person closest to me, of course, is Sean. And uh, she has been a tremendous rock in our marriage when I've been feeling so low. But she is aware, if you'd like to come forward now, she is aware that there have been times when she's got so frustrated that uh, she too will say things that in retrospect perhaps aren't the most helpful things. 
<laughs> I'm sorry to be very honest and vulnerable with you now. <laughs> yeah, sometimes, um, and, and I hasten to say that, uh, that, that most of the time you're absolutely as you are now, but it's just occasionally, isn't it? And, it, and uh, sometimes it can be a day but sometimes it can last for a bit longer. And um, so some of the things that I'm going to tell you that I have said in the past are usually after times of, of several days when there have been, it's felt like there's been a kind of a, a, a black cloud in the house. I can't really explain it any other way, but there's just been this kind of atmosphere, atmosphere and heaviness. And... Um, and it's tricky if you, and there may be other people here who, who uh, perhaps don't suffer in, with quite the same things. And, um, and I guess I'm speaking to you and saying, you know, don't beat yourself up because um, it is tricky to understand. And before we did, um, we did really make a point of trying to understand uh, how we, we could face this. Years ago, these are some of the things that I've said. I said, you've got such a wonderful life. <laughs> you are surrounded by such wonderful people. You have a family who loves you so much. How, how is it that you are just not full of joy? <laughs> that sounds so awful, doesn't it? But I just couldn't understand how he would be low with all these amazing blessings. We've even got a, a, a poster, haven't we, that says, too blessed to be stressed. Yeah. That's, a, that's, a, that's on one of the door, over the doorway. Yeah. <laughs> I am. Why should I be stressed? Another one is, uh, you know, that when, when um, there is opposition, um, and there just is, and I, I would say, you know, look, darling, that comes with the territory. You know, we are in a job where there will be opposition. Decisions need to be made, and there will be people that don't agree with them. But actually, you just need to pray. You need to pray really hard, and you just need to not let it get you down. That wasn't very helpful either. <laughs> and then I would say, um, why should Christians be immune from mental health issues? Why should we be immune from anything that goes wrong? But we have God's resources uh, to fight it. God should be enough. And finally, <laughs> confession time, how can we be telling people that the Christian life is so wonderful when you go around looking as if you've lost a shilling and found sixpence? <laughs> All words to that effect. All words to that effect. <laughs> In other words, it's just, you know, it's just such a bad witness. <laughs> so, yeah, and, and kind of like over time, I guess I have um, hopefully become, I just had a little bit more humility because Joe has struggled from time to time with these things. But actually, I don't struggle with those things. But I struggle with other things that maybe are not so visible and not so easy to identify. So yeah, we've um, we spent a lot of time and tears kind of addressing and, and, and looking to see um, how we can help one another. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Such is married life after nearly 41 years. Thank you, Sean.
Whew. Right. Let's uh, move on. To ask the question, where is God in all this? Well, maybe there's something in the honesty and openness that allows God to be very present, a very present help in these times of trouble. And we've seen in our reading and in many other passages that speak of God coming towards people. Isaiah 9 verse 2 says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. On them a light has shined. It was a foreshadowing the person of Jesus coming through his incarnation, as we heard in John 1. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. In his life with us on planet Earth, Jesus demonstrated that in so many different ways. How he valued, listened to, accepted and didn't judge people. How he comes towards people like Zacchaeus, for example. How, for example, he, he stops and notices, he looks up to this hated, hated tax collector. How he allows Zacchaeus to interrupt his journey how he asks Zacchaeus for help to give him a cup of tea, though as if he wanted a cup of tea. Um, but he gives him status and self-esteem. He came to where he was in his house, and he brings the holy into the ordinary, everyday life of this man. He doesn't demand change from him. He just has conversations. And Jesus values Zacchaeus in a way that the community hadn't. And no doubt that that will have changed their perspective powerfully and helped them to rethink their attitude to other people. Jesus walks alongside those on the road to Emmaus, those disciples who had hoped that Jesus would be the one they were looking forward to in their dismay and Sadness and grief and depression. He listened to them before he shared and explained from the scriptures that this was part of what God was doing, that the, that the Messiah should suffer and die. We see him accepting and not judging the woman caught in adultery. Let him who has not sinned, cast the first stone. These are all ways that Jesus sees people and comes toward people. And in his risen life, through his spirit, he does just the same today. Seeing beyond the illness, beyond frailty, beyond the confusion and pain and the helplessness, he sees us and he loves us. He knows us. And he loves us. And we are not alone. That is what God wants us to know deep, deep, deep down within our hearts. In that pit that we are not alone. Sometimes we cannot believe this. But we can begin to experience it because God through his spirit has chosen to
to be with us in each other, in the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ, said St. Paul. You are the ones who communicate this coming toward life of God. And it may be through a simple thing like a text or a phone call, through a card or a casserole, simple things, but it means so much to so many people. Or just being with. I know of one vicar who had somebody walk into their, uh, their church and asked if they could just spend an hour with them. And he thought, oh, I don't know what it's about. And didn't know how, how to approach any preparation for that. When they came, they just said, I, I just don't want you to say anything. I'm not going to say anything. I'd just like to spend an hour sitting with you. And to the man's credit, he didn't say anything. And the woman just sat there. And after an hour, she got up to leave and said, thank you. I so much needed just to do that. My prayer is that I may see Christ in others and be Christ to others. And if we as a community can learn how to do that more and more, I think we will all grow in our capacity to be wounded healers, means of God's healing love through our wounds as Christ by his wounds brings us healing. We need to ask how can we do this better? How can we celebrate the things that are happening already, which are many wonderful things? But we need honest conversations about how we can support one another when we're down. And I pray that we'll be able to do that over the course of the months ahead.